Chapter 9 of Fairy Tales from Gold Lands. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Elise Black, Atlanta, Georgia. Fairy Tales from Gold Lands by May Wentworth, Emperor Norton. Once upon a time, there lived near a small village on the shore of the Atlantic an honest farmer named Norton, who had three sons. The two elder were smart, active lads, but the youngest was quiet and so much given to dreaming that his brothers ridiculed and often slighted him. He is so stupid, they would say. He will be a disgrace to the family. But what annoyed him most, they gave him the unpleasant sobriquet of Dumpy on account of his fat, rosy cheeks. As the boys grew up, the eldest took the farm and was to take care of the father and mother. The second became clerk to a merchant in a neighboring city. But poor Dumpy, in the indolence of his disposition, did nothing. He was always hoping some impossible thing would turn up, but he had no rich relations. Indeed, no one seemed to take much interest in him but the mother, who would always say, Poor Dumpy, he is a good-hearted boy. Then she would sigh heavily as though there was nothing more to be said. At last the father became quite out of patience, and calling the boy to him one day, he said, You are now twenty years old, and never have earned so much as your salt, and it is quite time for you to do something for yourself. Your brother, who has taken the farm, complains that he is obliged to support you in idleness, which certainly is not right. For the farm he will take care of your mother and me, but you and your other brother must look out for yourselves. Give me, answered Dumpy, what money you can spare. I ask nothing more. I will go and seek my fortune, and you shall hear of me when I become a rich man. The father gave him what money he could, and he went away. No one at home knew whither, leaving only the mother to weep for him. When Dumpy left the farmhouse, he walked on to the village, feeling that he was going into the great world full of promise, but he never dreamed of disappointment. When he arrived at the village inn, the stage was standing at the door. I will go, he said, where fortune leads me. So he took his seat in the stage and paid his fare to the end of the route, which happened to be the great city of New York. All day long he was very happy looking out of the windows upon the changing landscape and indulging in daydreams. Sometimes he would come to a pretty village nestling among the hills. I would like, he would think, of all things to stop here. Tis so very pleasant, but I have paid my money and I must go on. It was night when the stage entered the city, its heavy wheels rumbling over the paved streets and crowding along past carts, omnibuses, and carriages, till poor Dumpy, who had never been in the city before, began to feel very much bewildered and confused. "'Where shall I go?' said Dumpy to the driver when the stage stopped. "'Tis so noisy I can't hear myself think. Oh, dear!' I don't know what to do, and he looked so pitiably helpless that the driver was sorry for him, though he could not help laughing. Come with me, my boy, he said. So he went with the driver to the cheap lodging house where he stopped when in town. To enumerate all poor Dumpy's adventures while in New York would be impossible, enough to say it was not long before his money was gone, and he shipped before the mast in a merchant vessel for California. Poor Dumpy! Now came woeful experiences. 
For a time he was wretchedly sea sick, and he soon found that to go before the mast was no joke; but in his way he was quite a philosopher, and after a few weeks became a very good sailor. As he was pleasant and obliging, he became a favourite with all on board; but he loved most of all, when off duty, to sit by himself in the soft starlight evenings, as the good ship sailed over the tropic seas, and dream of the land of gold to which he was going. He possessed a vivid imagination, and his visions of the wealth of the new El Dorado were most glowing. He would picture to himself how like a prince he would luxuriate in riches, how great and generous he would be, even to the brothers who had despised him. It is a happiness to be able to revel in dreams as he did, for the pleasures of anticipation are but too often greater than the reality. He loved his mother. She, at least, had always been kind and gentle to him. My dear mother, he would say to himself, with a bright tear in his eye, she shall yet live in a palace. God bless her, dear mother. Then he would sigh, till a bright thought drove away the sad one. Oh, tis so delightful to be rich, he would say. Then he would rub his hands as complacently as though the wealth of the Indies lay at his feet. I shall give the father everything he wishes, of course, he would continue. And I will make the brothers rich men, for to be generous and forgive is the attribute of true greatness. And for myself, I will marry the prettiest woman in the world, and I will give her everything she can possibly desire. Often the sharp, quick bell for change of watch would call him to duty and scatter his gorgeous dreams, leaving only the dull, hard present in his mind and heart. At length the good ship arrived in San Francisco and there again Dumpy found all the wild bustle and confusion of the early days. Gold was plenty in dust and bars. When a man bought anything, he would take out of his bag of gold dust as much dust as he was to pay for the article, and he would be off. The highest price was paid for labor, and Dumpy soon engaged to drive a cart for $250 per month, but he determined to make this arrangement only for a short time, till he could get money enough to go out prospecting in the mining districts. This he soon accomplished, but he found a life in the mines even harder than before the mast, but the golden future was before him, and he persevered. He and another young adventurer built a cabin together by a little spring of clear, bubbling water. They worked early and late with a wearisome pick and shovel for the precious gold that was to pave the pathway of their lives with happiness, but often night found them disappointed and weary, and they would return to their lonely cabins, cook and eat their coarse supper, and lie down upon the hard floor, wrap their blankets around them with heavy and hopeless hearts. But thank God, sunshine in the fresh morning brings renewed life and hope to young hearts. One morning, when Dumpy awoke, he found his companion had risen and gone out before him. So he went out alone, thinking, Who knows what will turn up before night? I may become a millionaire. I'll try my luck alone today. So he did not go to the ledge they had been prospecting the day before, but started off in a new direction. All day long he worked diligently, but the sunset found him as poor as a dawning and quite worn out. He threw himself down upon the ledge to rest a little before going home. Ah, me, thought he sadly, how long the poor mother will have to wait for her palace. As the sunset deepened into twilight, he rose, and shouldering his pick and shovel, started for the cabin. I cannot call it home, he said to himself. There is no mother there. He had not gone far before a little shrill voice arrested him, and looking down he saw a little old man sitting among the loose stones, rubbing his foot and ankle and groaning piteously. 
He was very quaintly dressed in a little red jacket, and wore a Spanish hat with little gold bells around it, and his long gray beard swept the ground as he sat dismally among the rocks. "'Oh, dear, I cannot move,' said the little man. "'I have sprained my foot. Will you not help me home?' "'Oh, dear, oh, dear!' and he moaned so piteously that Dumpy, who was kind-hearted, was very sorry for him. So he took the old man up in his arms as tenderly as if he had been an infant. The old man pointed out the way, and Dumpy trudged wearily on, for though he was no bigger than a child of eight years old, he seemed quite heavy to Dumpy. After working all day with a pick and shovel and finding nothing, his heart was heavy with hope deferred. If I had found gold today, thought he, a light heart would have made a light burden but thank god i am well and this poor man suffers fearfully poor dumpy he went on down the canyon then up the mountain it seemed to him for miles at last the little man pointed to a crevice in the rock through which dumpy managed with some difficulty to creep but as he went on it widened and suddenly opened into a large cavern go on said the old man sharply as dumpy stopped and gazed around with astonishment so he went on till they came to a large hall sparkling with crystal and glowing with precious stones a large chandelier hung from the roof and cast a flood of softened light through the whole cavern and dumpy could see in the stone floor large masses of pure yellow gold he saw in the huge irregular pillars that rose to the dome of the cavern great veins of the precious ore and everywhere it was scattered about with the most lavish profusion Curious golden figures, carved with strange devices, stood in the niches, and there were couches with golden frames and tables of gold, so that the light reflected from the clear crystal dome, glittering with shining pendants, by the softening yellow tinge, was mellow and pleasant. Poor Dumpy had been so long in the twilight and darkness that he was dazzled by the brilliant scene, and for a few moments was obliged to close his eyes, and when he opened them he saw that he was surrounded by a large crowd of the little people who were full of anxious fears about the old man he held in his arms. But he assured them he was suffering only from a sprain, which, though very painful, was not dangerous. They gathered anxiously around the little man as he laid him upon a couch. He soon discovered that the man he had assisted was king over the little people who guard the mountain treasures, covering the rich places with unpromising stones and earth, and often misleading the honest miner by scattering grains of the precious metal in waste places. Thus it is we hear so often of disappointed hopes and abandoned minds. After they had in some measure relieved the suffering of their chief, they turned to Dumpy, who stood in the most profound astonishment, drinking in all he saw or heard. "'You have done me a great kindness,' said the chief, "'and though it is our business to mislead miners, "'we can be grateful, and you may now claim any reward you desire.' "'I have saved your ruler,' said Dumpy, "'looking in the crowd of little people "'and trying to think of something great to ask as a reward. "'Our chief, our king!' cried all the little people together. "'Ask what you will, and it shall be granted.' "'I would be great as well as rich,' thought Dumpy, "'so he said aloud, Make me emperor of all the mines, and let all the miners pay tribute to me. It shall be so, said the king. Then he called one of his servants to bring the golden crown and scepter, and bidding Dumpy kneel before him, he placed the scepter in his hand and the crown upon his head. And striking him a sharp blow upon his shoulder, he said, Arise, Emperor Norton. As long as you preserve this crown and scepter from moth or rust, dew or fog, you shall be the true emperor of all the mines in california and nevada and all the miners shall pay you yearly tribute 
but if you lose either crown or sceptre or moth rust midnight dews and damp fall upon them they will fade away and you will be emperor in name only and the miners shall pay you no yearly tribute so let it be said the newly made emperor and they all sat down to a table spread with every delicacy and feasted till the noon of the following day when the emperor bade the knights of the mountain adieu the little gray king said beware of the dews and damps of the night and he started for his cabin i will first visit my old comrade he said though he is now one of my subjects i will not be proud and haughty one of the little men ran before him and led the way out of the cave into the sunlight which was so bright that the emperor shaded his eyes with his hand and when he had removed it the little man had disappeared the emperor looked around but could see no trace of him even the crevice through which he had passed was nowhere to be seen it is a wonderful dream he said but no there was a golden crown upon his head and the sceptre in his hand i will find that cave thought he so he began to look for it very eagerly till the lengthening shadows told of the coming of the evening and he thought of the gray king's warning beware of the dews and damps of night oh dear if i should lose the tribute money he said in great distress i should be emperor but could build no palace for the mother nor could i marry the prettiest woman in the world and supply her innumerable wants so he started in great haste for the camp always keeping fast hold of the crown and sceptre on he rushed till the shades of twilight filled the deep canyon through which he was obliged to pass then he broke into a run crying oh me if i should be too late too late now that my hopes are crowned with success too late too late haste makes waste and so the emperor found it he lost the path and became entangled in brush and rocks until he became almost wild with despair the night came on with a heavy mist that near morning deepened into rain with the gray twilight of the dawning weary and worn he reached his cabin door but the golden crown and sceptre had passed away into the mists of night the poor emperor told of his wanderings to his comrades and mourned over the night in which his crown and sceptre had departed from him but they only laughed saying you have been dreaming again emperor norton he never took the pick and shovel again shall an emperor work he would say while thousands of his subjects roll in luxury an emperor he thought should reside in the chief city of his realm so he left the mines and came to san francisco here for years he has lived always wearing a well-worn suit of blue with epaulets upon the shoulders which perhaps might have been an unmentioned gift of the great king of the mountains at the table of all restaurants and hotels he is a free and welcome guest and all places of amusement are open to him in fact wherever you go in san francisco you are almost sure to meet the emperor norton End of chapter nine recording by elise black atlanta georgia